Leviticus chapter 6. Now, um, oh, praise the Lord. Let's just pray. Father, I just ask God that, Lord, that you would quicken your word, God, into our hearts. Father, as we are before the throne of grace, God, I pray, God, that you would speak unto every individual that's gathered here this morning. Lord, that you would stir our hearts, God, that this word, Lord, would go deep. God, even igniting the hearts of men and women. I pray, God, your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, in the Bible, there's a number of metaphors that we find that characterise, symbolise the, um, the presence or nature of God. And we understand there's the issue of water and, and um, there's the wind uh, that relate to aspects of the spirit but there's that one aspect that we want to consider this morning and, uh, and it's a symbol of God's presence and uh, also it has a, uh, an application into our own hearts as well and it's the issue of fire Amen, fire Now it's interesting because the, 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 the symbol of fire is the elect symbol, if you want to call it, of the presence of God. And uh, if you uh, read your Bible, you soon learn that in the Old Testament, the, the, um, the fire was the um, chosen sign of God's presence and approval in Scripture. And so as it related to the Levitical priesthood and as it related to the temple and sacrifice, the whole concept of God and the fire of God, the God that answers by fire, amen, He is God. And so the elect symbol of His presence is fire. And it's the essential element, amen, that we need in our hearts is the fire of God this morning. And so we want to consider from this particular text in Leviticus as we look at a few things, but we find the necessity of fire, not just as it relates to the Old Testament, but we know more so even in the New Testament. Amen. We understand that on the day of Pentecost, that as the disciples had waited by the instruction of Jesus Christ, the Bible says that uh, and, uh, as the mighty rushing wind of God came that day that the tongues of fire uh, sat upon each and the fire of God ignited their hearts that day as they went forth to preach and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said, Do not think that I have come to bring peace on earth, but you see, we understand that he says, oh, I have come to bring fire and how I wish it was already kindled, how I wish it was already started. And he knew that which was coming and so the issue of fire is so central and so significant in the Christian faith and in our own lives and our own walk with God. Can you say Amen. And so it's the fire of God this morning that is required to burn in our hearts. 
And it's the everlasting burning as we will find it identified in the scripture that is to burn in our hearts and yet we know from the Bible and from the New Testament epistles that if we are not careful we can quench the spirit or in other words we can quench the fire of God, the flame of God in our hearts through various aspects and as we'll look at but nevertheless the fire of God can be quenched. It can even be put out, amen, if we are, uh, are not tending to and not careful about the way in which we go about our Christian lives. You see we are called to be zealous for the Lord. And in the Hebrew word zeal literally comes uh, from the Hebrew root word which means heat, hot. And that is the spirit by which we are to live the Christian lives. We are to be ignited and we are to be fueled by the Holy Spirit and that is to fuel our hearts, it's to burn in our hearts, it's the motivation of, our, of our, the life that we live, the decisions we make, the passions that we hold dear and, uh, to our lives. It's what causes us to live successfully, to live obediently, to live faithfully and do the will and purposes of God. And so it's the fire of God that we want to consider this morning and in relation to the Christian life this is, is, is critical. It's what's required because you know, I'm not talking about fundamentally self-effort, I'm not talking about self-motivation, I'm not talking about um, uh, our self-determination. You see those things uh, from a human level, they, are, they facilitate, they're helpful, they're needful actually in the Christian life as we will see but that is not the fundamental thing. What we need first and foremost, uh, that which is creates and that is the fire of God in our hearts. And so we long for that which is of God and that which is not of men. So let's read in Leviticus chapter 6 and I want to, actually we're just going to read two verses of scripture although we could read the, the, uh, the whole law of the bird offering but I just want to focus on verses 12 and 13 and we'll make reference to a couple of other things as well. But let's read verse 12 and verse 13. The Bible says, And the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it it shall not be put out and the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order on it and he shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings a fire shall always be burning on the altar and it shall never go out and so this is serving as the foundation of what we want to consider because there's in verse 13 it says a fire shall always be burning on the altar and it shall never go out. You see that is to summarise the longevity of our Christian life. The fire is not to go out. And so what we have is this issue. Now this fire, amen, is a symbol of the presence of God. It's a symbol of the Holy Spirit, of God filling our hearts. But you see, the danger is, and one of the things that we first want to consider is that which relates, because you know, it's very easy um, to get confused between that which is the fire of God and that which is the fire that's related to man. 
Okay, so I want to bring a distinction because here we have this command that the fire shall not go out. But you see, one of the things and dangers and, and things we can identify in modern Christendom that's always existed, mind you, is those in their efforts, whether they be um, uh, sincere or not, is to somehow make sure that this fire doesn't go out. But in doing so, they have resorted to means and mechanisms that they have introduced that are men-centred men orientated and a humanly uh, uh, contrived in which to try and ignite and maintain and pass as the fire of God. But yet it is not. Rather, what we see uh, is what the Bible would call strange fire or as one man called it, stage fire. And really that's one of the dangers and that's one of the realities that, that we are dealing with in the modern church age. You see, we have those that have substituted the fire of God for false fire. You see, this is not the Spirit of God that's being manifested. What is on display is strange fire or in other words, unauthorised fire that substitutes the true and the pure fire of God. And so this is happening around us all the time. It's happened, I've been a Christian now, I don't know, nearly 25 years and I have observed this and it is a reality and there's fires that burn and there is fires that are claimed to be burning and uh, you know, come and catch the fire and, uh, and yet people are flocking in order to try and uh, um, identify with this. But one thing I have noted and have learned and observed, as you have, uh, is these things are far from being the fire of God itself. You see, in Leviticus chapter 10, just a few chapters down, we have the familiar story of the profane fire or the strange fire that was offered by Aaron's sons. And so it's interesting because uh, the, the scripture tells us that God had obviously set things up and the fire was now burning and Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, they took the censer and they put fire in it to and they offered, the Bible says, profane fire before the Lord. Strange fire before the Lord. And so God was so displeased that the scripture tells us that they died before the Lord that very moment. God killed them. And so this thought kind of is very sobering, actually very scary when you consider it because it's a very serious aspect. And this word profane fire or this word strange in the Hebrew literally means uh, to turn aside, to be a foreigner or to commit adultery. And so when people begin to identify with fire that they think is the fire of God but is not the fire of God, they are in serious trouble. They are committing a serious sin. And under the banner of Christianity there is so much false fire that is not the true fire of God. And this obviously manifests itself in the Pentecostal movement and charismatic movements of recent years. It's been going on for years, but as it relates to the modern day, as it relates to us, we know that this has happened, hasn't it? But that doesn't mean just because there's false fire that there's no fire. And just because we reject the false fire, amen, we want the real fire. Amen. Okay? 
So let's not try and just kind of, you know, identify and discern and, and uh, all of those things. That's great. But let's not neglect, amen, the, the, the fire of God because that is what we want. That is what was originally found on the Pentecostal movement. And that's what we so dearly hold fast to and what we jealously desire is the fire of God in the true, truest form. You see, we don't know exactly what the sin of um, uh, uh, the exact sin of Aaron's sons was, but what one man summarised it as this: he says they carried into their ministry unconsecrated fire that did not come from the altar. Now that's very significant, just to reflect those words that they carried into their ministry unconsecrated fire that didn't come from the altar. It wasn't the fire of God, or in other words. It was man-made fire. It was human fire. That, sure, it was fire, but it wasn't the fire of God. You see, what does this mean for us today? Well, the symbolism is this, is that even in the modern church there is the, what we can be termed as will worship, where men substitute their own enthusiasm, their own hype, and their own emotional sensationalism uh, in their church meetings and services and they pass it off as the fire of God. But it is anything but the fire of God. There might be a lot of fireworks, there might be a lot of sparks, but it is not the Spirit of God that is manifesting in their midst. They mistake their enthusiasm, their whipped up frenzies for the fire of God. And in doing so, men in their will worship of God have set up for themselves their own methods of how to worship and serve God. And we see this in the modern church. It's not born of the Spirit of God. What has ignited them is not the fire of the Holy Spirit, but rather it is men who has taken into their ministry unconsecrated fire that did not come from the altar of God. That's because the altar of God is never preached because the whole issue of the gospel is not proclaimed, which is to take up a cross, which is to forsake all and the demands of all that it is to follow Christ and become that living sacrifice that God would require of us. You see, the penalty for unholy fire, as we saw, is death. See, there's a fire in scripture that we are identifying, which is fire that burns unto life. But then there's another fire we see in the scriptures which is a fire that burns unto death. Now there's a particular book by Samuel Chadwick and in his, this he states and he puts it so profoundly when he says this, he says, Earth kindled fires burn brightly but they burn out. They allure to deeper darkness and isn't that true? They allure to deeper darkness. Even though there's a fire that is burning, once it's out, it's been smouldered, it's been burnt and it allures people to deeper darkness. He says, lights that glare and dazzle blind the eyes. You know, if you have bright lights that flash in your eyes for that instant moment, there's a blindness that comes to your eyes. And so, so are those that are entangled with such lights and glare that are looking for these things. In the end, their spiritual eyesight is being blinded to the truth and realities of God's word. And you try and tell them, this is not God, and they're like, huh? What are you talking about? Because all of a sudden, their spiritual eyes are being blinded. And he also says, artificial excitement 
destroys spiritual sensibilities. Isn't that true? You know, it's so people that are caught up in the artificial excitement and you try and talk to them about spirituality, it's like you're talking another language. They have no ability to discern, to, uh, to, to spiritually discern, as taught by the Spirit of God, as one who would understand and know the Word of God, uh, but yet they are caught up and entrapped by all these artificial excitements. One man said this, when religion turns to humanity... For its inspiration, God is dethroned and the sanctuary becomes a secularised fellowship. And that's what, we don't want a secularised fellowship. Can you say amen? We're here in the house of God this morning. We're here amongst one another. We don't want to just come here for a secular gathering. We want to come into the presence of God. We want to come to worship. We want to come to meet with God. We want to come to hear from God. We want our hearts to, to be stirred and flamed in the presence of God. Hallelujah. As we come individually and as we come corporately. You see, the issue of fire, especially strange fire, is uh, you know, it may be something that uh, people might even be sincere about. But you know what? It doesn't matter how sincere one may be, you can be sincerely wrong. And if it's wrong, that's all that counts. People will claim, well, there's an element of sincerity. I don't, it, that's not the issue. The issue is, is according to the word of God, is it right or is it wrong? See, then there's another issue. If we looked at this issue of strange fire, but then there's this issue of what was referred to as stage fire. And I thought, now this was written, and I've got to understand this, this, this little section now that I'm just sharing with you, I read this in a book by Samuel Chadwick, 100 years ago. Just this, this, this section here and I thought about it in the modern world and I thought, well, you know, he's talking about stage fire. I tell you what, we're living in a day where stage fire is right there before us. You know, that's why churches have resorted now. It's not a matter of coming into the presence of God and, and lifting up our hearts and our voices in unison to praise and to worship. But no, now we come into the sanctuary and we dim the lights and it's nice and dark, and then we have the stage lights that flash, and everyone's on the stage, and you know, and they're jumping up and down, and they're dancing, and it's entertainment, and the people love to have it so. But you see, and then they are whipped into an emotionalism, they're whipped up in a state where they are mesmerised by stage fire, and they mistakenly think that that's the fire of God but they are so disassociated and disconnected from the reality that which is of the presence of God in one's midst. Because now they are, they are identifying it with these aspects. And you know what? The thing about strange fire is it can be offered in a sincerely wrong manner as did happen in Aaron's sons. But the thing with stage fire is it's a result of the trickery of men. It is humanly contrived to create that atmosphere. You know what? To bring in the multitudes, to draw together the large crowds, to get everyone to come in and to dance and to jump and to scream and to carry on in the house of God. And yet we have this issue of stage fire that people are being caught up in. Isn't it weird? You know... I remember going to a church when I went to America and they had the, the, the darkness and the lights and they were flashing and they even had that smoke 
the smoke screen, you know? I mean, not the smoke screen, the smoke uh, going through and I'm thinking, golly gosh, am I in a, a Bon Jovi concert? Sorry, some of you just don't know what I said then. <laughs> but some did. But you, know, uh, but you see, it exactly reminded me of when I used to go to rock concerts before I was a Christian. That's what it reminded me of. I felt like I was in the, I felt like I was in the same place. I gave that up when I got saved. I left that. But you see, a religion of mere emotion... And sensationalism is the most terrible of all curses that can come upon any people. And don't get me wrong, I'm all for emotion. I, I mean, people don't think I'm emotional, but look, deep down I am, okay? I, and I, and I, I get excited about the things of God. I talk around, I said, Nathan had some music on in the car this morning on the way to church and I said, get that rubbish off. Put on some godly music. And we put it on and we were... In the mean Matthew in the back, weren't we, Matt? We were singing and we were jumping up and down and we enjoyed ourselves because there's something about, amen, we can have emotion. I'm all for emotion. Actually, God help us just to not be so cold and calculated, okay? I want some emotion. I, I, God made us as emo- emotional beings. So as long as it's, uh, we're not servants to our emotions but rather our emotions are servants to us, then so let it be, amen. You can, don't have to be in the house of God and be all, you know, pious and quiet, you know, sacred. You know, gosh, shout amen, shout hallelujah, get excited. Because we've got a reason to, can you say amen? Okay, we're on the same page. But there are those that are looking for a buzz and they're looking for the next big thing. Come. I used to get letters and they used to send me flyers. Come and catch the fire. I thought I had it. What do I have to go catch it for? Here it is. Here I am. Come to the front. But I know it's stupid, isn't it? And I'm obviously exaggerating the point, but that just demonstrates how dumb and how silly how we can be. And that's how it happens. But let's move on a little bit, having identified these things. You see, how do we obtain the fire of God? Because our text has some very insightful principles and teaches us something quite profound, as we will identify. But you see, the the scripture here is referring, referring to an everlasting burning and a fire that shall never go out. That's the fire of God. And we must make sure that we are constantly burning with the fire of God. If I was to ask you this morning, who started the fire in the tabernacle? Well, go to Leviticus chapter 9 and read verse 23. You see, you've got to understand, God had given Moses the instructions to build the tabernacle. And in Leviticus, he's laying out further principles of offerings and in chapter 8 you have um, uh, the consecration of Aaron and his sons in preparation for the whole priestly um, ministry. And then in chapter 9 as they begin you find in verse 23 the Bible says, And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting and came out and blessed the people. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people 
and fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. You see, the fire of God ignited that altar. The burnt offering was on it. It was in order. It had been set up, but the fire of God came and then they were required by God to keep that fire burning. And we'll look at that a bit more in a moment. But you see, what's interesting is they had to now follow a pattern. God had already instructed them. He had given them an elaborate pattern and teaching and instructions about the tabernacle and about how it was to be instituted and the issues of sacrifice and they were to adhere to the pattern that God had set up. That's why in chapter 10 you have Aaron's sons who offered strange fire before the Lord and they were killed because they didn't follow the pattern of God, it didn't follow the principles of God and this is the danger. You see, we have to adhere to the the laws of God, if you want to call it that, that relate to our service and our worship to God. You can't just do it and feel free and do what you want, so to speak. There are certain principles and so that we find it's it's, it's a pattern for us and they relate to issues of obedience, of our ultimate full surrender to God, our separation from the world, if we're going to be pure in our worship to God, our faithfulness to God, our obedience to the truth, the cleansing of the blood. There are many aspects that prepare us to worship God in spirit and in truth because the two, as we know, go together. You can't have one without the other. You see, in the New Testament, how was the fire started? God started it. On the day of Pentecost, you know, think about it, Jesus' death, his resurrection, and for 50 days the full facts of the gospel in essence are set in place. It's all been prepared in the same way the tabernacle was, in the same way that it was being instituted and Jesus said, tarry in Jerusalem until you are endured with power from on high. Wait, Wait until your heart is kindled with the flame and fire of God's presence and power. And on the day of Pentecost, uh, that is exactly what happened. The fire was ignited. Hallelujah. It was ignited and they went forth and the burning of the Spirit of God was in their hearts. Now what's interesting, as if I can just bring us back to the issue of the text, is we're dealing with various principles that relate to the law of the burnt offering that God was speaking uh, to, the, uh, to, to Aaron and his sons. But you see, the law of the burnt offering is found also in, in Leviticus chapter 1 and what is interesting about the burnt offering compared to the other offerings, it was a free will offering. Okay? The sin offering was required uh, uh, accordingly, but yet the burnt offering was a free will offering, meaning that people could offer it as they so willed or desired or chose to. And yet they had to just adhere to the law and to the, uh, the burnt offering that we find in our particular text. Now, what does this teach us? Well, we have the equivalent of this, the burnt offering. 
which is a uh, free will offering by which, amen, we understand Christ is that, but also it also relates to us as the believer, as in Romans chapter 12, when we are exhorted by Paul the Apostle. He writes systematically the theology of the New Testament and he comes to chapter 12 and he says, Therefore, brethren, I urge you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, as a burnt offering unto God. You see, this is what we are being called to do. This is what God is expecting us to do, that we, amen, would put ourselves, amen, on the altar of God in which we would lay down our lives as, uh, as Christ has laid down his life for us. And so it's when we do that, amen, that we become recipients of the fullness of God, the, the fullness of the Spirit in our hearts and in our lives. So let me ask you this, how was the fire maintained in Leviticus chapter 6? Look at verse 12. It says, In the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it and it shall not be put out and the priest shall burn wood on it every morning and lay the burnt offering in order on it. You know, the wood here is what kept the fire going because the fire was not to go out according to the commandment of the Lord. But yet the way in which obviously that fire is maintained, it had to be wood put on it every morning to keep it burning. And the wood is symbolic of the wood of our devotion to God in the context by which we ourselves daily, amen, are ensuring that we are coming to the Lord, that you come to God, that you pick up your Bible and you read and you pray and you offer uh, your devotions to God and that is the way in which you maintain your walk, it's the way in which you maintain keeping the wood in order, so to speak, each day and you are ensuring that that flame is consistently burning in your heart. Because you and I know if you neglect your devotions long enough, that flame diminishes, doesn't it? You see, we have to have an altar with God. And I'm not talking about a physical altar. I'm talking about a place where you can go into that secret place where you can meet with God, whatever that is for you, if it's in your bed, if it's, uh, if it's in some uh, bedroom, if it's in some lounge room. I don't know, wherever it is for you, but it doesn't matter. It's a place in which you come before the Lord. And we have an altar, and that altar is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And we are coming to him on a daily basis because the wood had to be put there every morning to maintain that fire. And we, we would learn well to maintain our devotions, our spiritual devotions unto the Lord and making sure that we're not neglecting that fellowship with God. Because I tell you, if we will walk, this is where the whole issue of self-effort and self-discipline come into play because it's required of us. Otherwise, we know there's lots of things that can draw us away, isn't there? And unfortunately, what we have is we have people that neglect the altar and in doing so, the fire of God will go out. Or more than that, we have people who have built another altar and they burn their wood and their devotion on the altar of money and success 
and uh, you know power and uh, um, and to whatever it is, but they sacrifice their devotion and they to God, and yet they burn it on another altar to Molech or anything to things of the things of this world in order to gain what this world has to offer, and that is profane fire, and that is unacceptable to God. See, we've got to be very careful. We've got to be very mindful of these things. And so what choices are we going to make in life? Because they're very critical, those choices that we make. Whatever you sow is what you will reap. And that's why we need to make sure that the the wood of our devotion every morning is set in place. What's interesting is if, you know, we we look at church history and what we know from experience is that um, unfortunately, and the reality is, is the fire of God can, does and has gone out, hasn't it? When we talk about revivals, well, the whole reason why the fire of God was ignited is because it had gone out. A revival is, is to revive that which is dead, that which is, 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 is dead, is not alive. We need to revive it. And so that's where the fire of God falls. But what's interesting is one thing that I, if you observe church history and the way in which the church has operated over the years, you'll find that God always raises up an individual who puts the wood in order. Now I want you to think about that for a moment because there's a story in 1 Kings chapter 18 where it talks about Elijah the prophet and we know that Israel was in an apostate state and they had uh, 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 turned aside to other gods and you know again they were sac- their, the, the wood of their devotion was not to you know Jehovah God but their, uh, the, the other false prophets of Baal and so forth and yet we have Elijah and the Bible says when Elijah prepared the altar and did what he did, the scripture says specifically that he put the wood in order. He put the wood in order. And once he had put the wood in order, he stood back and he prayed and then the Bible says the fire of God came and licked up that altar, the sacrifice. You see, the issue of putting the wood in order it is, uh, if I have read um, uh, about Evan Roberts who was used by God in the Welsh revival and if you read about his life you find the testimony of his life was this is that it wasn't just that the fire of God fell on that time but if you look at the life of Evan Roberts you find that there was a time of preparation and uh, he, you, uh, he talks about in his own life how he have how God was dealing with him, how he was seeking God, how he was dealing with the issues in light of the word of God as he aligned himself to God, consecrated himself, was praying to God concerning these prayers and desires. And he came to a place where he publicly said, he said, I have put the wood in order. Now we just need the fire to fall. And lo and behold, history tells us that the Spirit of God came upon that nation, upon that group of people that we know as today as the Welsh Revival. But you see, it was, it was Evan Roberts who himself stated, I have put the wood in order. And so that's an interesting thought uh, because the reality is for us today, amen, is that we have to follow the same pattern and principle that relates to the fire of God. You see, a fire shall always be burning. 
But you see, the, the only way that it's going to continue to burn is one, if we have that wood of devotion and if not, then what we need to do is we need to get the wood in order. You need to make the necessary adjustments in your life and prepare yourself before the Lord and say, God, as God will deal with you, he speaks to us and he will say, you need to, you know, you need to forsake this, you need to get rid of that, you need to stop doing this and you need to seek me or obey me and as we prepare ourselves, amen, then as we put the wood in order, you can be guaranteed at the appointed time God will send the fire. You see, are our lives combustible before God? Oh, I love that word, combustible. Have you ever heard that phrase, spontaneous combustion? I heard recently there was an example of it just the other week. But it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting thought, isn't it? That, that just a, whether it's a garment or whether it's um, um, you know, a, a, a truckload of hay or whatever it is, mulch, but it can get that hot internally that it spontaneously combusts into fire and you know you think about that and really if in our hearts we can so be seeking God so preparing ourselves so putting the wood in order and having our devotions and seeking God that who knows in the midst of our dryness in the midst of our, our, our hardness in the midst of our coldness God can come and he can change your heart in a moment of time in an instant, that fire can combust in your heart, amen, and it, God will reignite it, and I tell you, you will burn for the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. See, but are we prepared for something like this, church? Because, you know, it's easy to talk about it, but, you know, there's a reality to this that's scary. Because, um, you know, one man said, fire burns, it scorches. And we talk about the fire of God and we say, oh yes, it's exciting, praise the Lord, yes, give us the fire, Lord. But you know what that means? Fire burns. Fire scorches and anything that is of wood, hay or stubble in our lives, in the fire of God comes, it's going to be burnt up. God's going to say, get rid of that. Stop doing that. Read your Bible and stop watching the TV. I'm going to go to movies tonight. No, you're not. You're going to go and seek me. You know what I'm saying, church? Fire cannot compromise. If you're going to have the fire of God, then all of a sudden it's going to burn up those things in your life or around your life that are combustible and it's going to say, no, it's going to burn that, burn that and there's no place for compromise in the Christian life. And so, for, if one man said, for things that are not fireproof, burning is not a pleasant sensation. But are we prepared for such a thing? You see, I'm talking about being filled and consumed with the fire of God. The Bible says our God is a consuming fire. Jesus himself said, zeal for your house has eaten me up. Jesus was so on fire that, that fire ate him up internally and that led to him in his zeal for God. The Bible says that he made the whip and he went into that temple and he overturned the tables and he drove them out and he said, I am white hot. I am on fire and I will burn up those things around me that are, uh, are, are an offence to God. 
and that is the fire of God that is to burn in our hearts. You see, they looked at Jesus and thought, gosh, this guy's crazy. But you see, when you're on fire for God, amen, you're going to look a little strange. But you see, that's the way God would have it. We're a peculiar people, the Bible says. And so the church, when it's on fire, they're going to say, oh gosh, what's wrong with you? You're so radical. You're so over the top. Can't you just tone down a little bit? Can't you just relax? Why do you have to be so, you know, so uh, uh, opinionated about everything? Always God, God, God. <laughs> but you know what? It, it can't be any other way. I can't talk any other way. I'm sorry, I can't change my language because in me is a burning fire and it's like a fire that's shut up in my bones and I tell you, given the opportunity, I will speak. I must speak. And yet they'll say, oh, what's wrong with you? You Christians, you know, you're so crazy. But you know what, you're so fanatical. But you tell me, you ever watch a fire burn? It's wild. Anyways... It was John Wesley who said, get on fire and people come and watch you burn. And so you read in the book of Acts when God ignited that fire in the um, early church and then later in the book of Acts it says those that have turned the world upside down have come here. You see that fire spread like wildfire and it was flamed by persecution. Persecution didn't quench the fire, it only flamed the fire. And that's how it works. And so we see it right there. The issue, the, the issue of fire is the essential element of Christian living and of the work of God. Christianity without fire is dead, folks. It becomes cold and calculated and God deliver us from such. I don't want formality. I don't want formalism. I don't want the routine. I don't want the cool calculated. Now we're in church. Boom, boom. Then we do this, we do that. Oh, it's time for this. Up, oh, time for that. Mm, yep, yep, yep. Oh, it's time to go. And yet, we, our hearts, haven't even been touched. See, Christianity is a life. It's not a philosophy. Christianity is spirit, not a system. Let me close this morning as I bring before you a couple of statements that I read that have always stayed with me. And it says these words, the soul's safety is in its heat. The soul's safety is in its heat. See, the moment we become, we, we, we marginalise down from a, a, the zeal of God and being on fire for God by being hot for the Lord, that's when we're open and susceptible to compromise. That's when we're open and susceptible to the strategies of hell, to the temptations of this world. And yet, if we are on fire, the soul's safety is in its heat. Another man said, fire is the best defence against corruption. Isn't that true? Because fire consistently purifies and keeps things pure. Even, you know, well, that's why it's so important for us to come to the house of God. It's why it's so important for us to come. That's why the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves especially as you see the day approaching. Why? Because you know what? There's an impact that we have upon each other corporately. There's no lone ranger Christians, folks. You know what? If you have, if you have a fire and you have embers or you have a, you know, a log that burns that breaks up and there's different pieces of coal that's all burning, I tell you what, that, that thing becomes red hot 
and, uh, uh, and, and it, it, it just keeps burning and it's feeding off itself. But you take a piece of that and you put it aside, oh, it's burning. But you know what happens to it? It burns out. But you put it back in there and it catches heat, the heat and the flame and bang, spontaneously combusts back into, into uh, the red hot fire. And that's why it is important for us to come together, especially as the days, and we are in the last days, if there's ever a need. It's now. So we must, we need the brethren, we need each other, the fellowship and love and the encouragement of the brethren. So as I close this morning, I'm going to just ask a couple of questions and let's just put it out there. But have you got the spirit of fire? Amen. And so I'm glad someone said yes. <laughs> Sometimes when you ask these questions, you kind of think, oh, no, I don't. But you know what? We do, praise the Lord. But then again, maybe not. Then the question is, have we put the wood in order? Maybe, it's, maybe the fire has gone out for various reasons in your life. Disobedience, compromise, whatever it is. So what do I do, Lord? Well, I say to you this morning, put the wood in order. Get your life in order. You know the things that are out of order in the, by the word of God. Put them in order and prepare yourself and seek the Lord and God will come. And I would ask ourselves for us, are we burning the wood of our devotions each morning, church? You see, that there's an everlasting, the Bible says in verse 13, a fire shall always be burning on the altar. But the only way it can burn is if we are keeping it alight. And folks, let's not separate ourselves from our fellowship with God, from our devotions to God. Be in fellowship. Seek God. Talk to God. Fellowship with God. Because I tell you, when you do that, you will go about your day and about your week filled with the presence and fullness of God's Spirit. Hallelujah. Jesus said, How I wish it was kindled. Oh God, set our hearts alight in Jesus' name. We pray. Hallelujah. Father, right now, God, we just come before you, Lord. God, to reflect upon the word, Lord, that has come to us this morning. God, I pray, Lord, you know the condition of every heart that's gathered here. Lord, you see, and I have no doubt, God, and I thank God for those that whose hearts are aflame, but Lord, I know there's a reality and that, that fire can go out. And yet to people, cannot, I know self-effort and self-motivation uh, cannot carry us. It cannot pass for the fire of God. We just get go into deeper darkness. God, what people need is they need to have their hearts reignited again afresh, Lord, with your fire. But to do that, God, they've got to put the wood in order in their lives. They're going to have to deal with some issues. They're going to have to make some adjustments and obey you, submit to you and do what your will is. But God, how I know the promise of God that you would surely, Lord, ignite their hearts again. And I pray, God, that you would deal with hearts even now as I speak in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, before I just want to dismiss now, I want to say this. I believe God is dealing with hearts this morning. One, it's a challenge to us all. 
even for us that are on fire, it's just we understand the need to continue. But I want to say this. Uh, uh, I would say to you this morning that you would uh, put the wood in order. Get the kids in order too. <laughs> but put the wood in order. That was a joke, but anyway, it's the serious side to it. But put the wood in order. God's dealing with you. God is speaking to you. Don't get up out of this place and just kind of, you know, be untouched. But rather, I would exhort you this morning, do what God is telling you to do. Praise the Lord. Okay. That is it. We will dismiss. Maybe you want to talk to somebody. Maybe you want to pray. You know, we can make an altar right now if you so desire. And so if God's speaking to you, come to him. If you want to speak to Pastor Werner or myself, or you want some, some prayer, counsel, then come. Praise the Lord. God bless you this morning. Let's fellowship. Amen.